Vegas Nation, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We're trying, like I said, to uh, bring the right kind of people in here, we think, that can build a championship football team. You guys are the most loyal fans in the world, and I know it hurts that we might not be the Oakland Raiders forever, but we are still Raider Nation. I think it's going to be a, uh, they'll get an army coming into uh, Las Vegas. Everyone, it's Heidi Fang here, and it is time for another episode of Vegas Nation. I'm joined today in studio with Adam Hill, one of our Raiders writers, and Miles Simmons is over in Alameda, where the Raiders are holding down practice today, ahead of going into Indianapolis to face the Colts. We are back from the first game of what started off in Minneapolis for this road trip that the Raiders will be on, and the Raiders fell there to the Vikings, 34 to 14. So we are going to break all of that down and. Later in the show, we're going to have something new for you here on Vegas Nation. We're going to have Todd Dewey, our sports betting writer, come in and give you a little bit of numbers and give you some winners and things to look for in the betting world as we head into week four of the NFL season. And this, again, is the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by STN Sports Mobile Station Casinos. Don't forget to check out VegasNation.com. Get the Vegas Nation app to follow all things silver and black. And you can also find the show on ReviewJournal.com or anywhere else you find your podcast and always leave us comments and anything that you feel like letting us know about. We love hearing from you out there. So guys, let's get into this because we've got a lot to go over. Uh, As the Raiders are back home and practicing, there's a lot going on with the linebacker position. There's a lot going on here with the team and who they're bringing in to help fill some voids. So let's get started here at that linebacker position because it is getting thin. We have Vontez Perfect with the elbow issue, a knee issue, a shoulder issue, Nicholas Moreau with the ankle, Kyle Wilbur with the quad, Mark Lee went to IR. So what are we looking at, Miles, when we look at this position and the depth of it and who the Raiders are bringing in to help to fill in some voids there. Well, fortunately, all of those guys practiced, um, except for Mark Hill Lee, of course, who went to injured reserve. But you got Vontez Burford, you had Kyle Wilbur, and, and you had Morrow all on the field on Wednesday. So while they were limited, that at least tells you uh, that they do have a chance to play against Indianapolis. Now, they did bring up uh, Justin Phillips, and he's a linebacker that they had on the practice squad. They signed him uh, at the beginning of the season to the practice squad after he was let go in Dallas. And then they also brought in somebody I'm pretty familiar with in Dakota Allen, who was a Rams seventh-round draft pick. Um, and actually, he was doing a really good job there in Rams camp. They liked him a lot, but there's just uh, that team is has Super Bowl aspirations. And when you have Super Bowl aspirations, it's hard for a seventh round pick to really crack that roster. So that's why he was on their practice squad and why he became available. And so he's really excited to get things going now uh, with the Raiders. And, and I think I think Miles and I'll get your take on this, too. I, I think when you look at this. And you look at the fact that they're bringing in linebackers. Certainly, it means that they're uh, they're concerned about the injuries. Even though those guys are practicing, they've got to make sure that they have some depth there. And we know that they went one short on linebacker, kind of coming into the season, uh, just thinking, "Hey, th- this is something that's kind of being phased out a little bit in today's NFL. Play so many so many nickel packages, and you need more defensive backs and linebackers and everything else." But I think when you look what they did as far as getting young at linebacker, you bring in a guy like Allen instead of looking back at a guy like Brandon Marshall. And I know they have. Had him through the, throughout the offseason. He was lining up as a one. 
a lot of people were speculating, well, hey, that's a natural guy that you would bring back. That's a natural guy that you would bring back if you were trying to compete. Like, I, I mean, if you were trying to compete right now. And I think right now what it tells you is that, hey, they're looking to get younger. They clearly tried to get younger in the offseason. They went from one of the oldest teams in the league to the ninth youngest. And now you're not looking for a guy that, hey, maybe the best option for this Sunday. You're instead looking for the best option for you know later in the year and down the road instead. And I think that tells you a lot about where the team's mindset is right now. Yeah, no doubt, Adam. I agree. And, and I think part of that definitely is that the Raiders want to stay young, right? You have to be able to develop guys. And I think it just goes back to what you're saying. That's exactly what they want to do at this point. They want to be more in the development stages of things than they would be if you're say, okay, you're you have real big playoff, maybe Super Bowl aspirations, and you need to replace a starter. I don't think that's necessarily where they are. They want to build depth and they want to be able to develop guys. I think Allen's one of those interesting players because I talked about last chance you and Ronald Ali was a part of the team, but now he's the second player that the Raiders have brought in from that show that's on Netflix. And he had an interesting past because, you know, he was at Texas Tech, he had that burglary charge, and then it was dropped. Um, it was, you know, he was already gone to um, East Mississippi Community College at that point. He led the team in tackles, so he was kind of a standout and a star on the show. So I don't know if Gruden's been watching the show also and kind of maybe doing some scouting off of it and looking to see who he's bringing into this team. But this is another very charismatic player, though, that is somebody who is young that I think that they could uh, definitely build around. He's uh, somebody that has a lot of personality and a lot of heart. He, he's really driven. I don't know. Miles, did you see that show? Yes. Yes. Last chance you? Uh, Yes, I did see Last Chance You, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think the funny part about Dakota Allen is he, I mean, he really is the type of person that uh, he's basically exactly who you think he is based off if you watch that show. Um, really, really nice guy, really polite guy. Um, and of course, you know, you don't necessarily, like, like you can't necessarily judge a human based off interactions that you have in the locker room. I think that that is sometimes a dangerous precedent that we set as reporters, but like he was never anything but good to me when we were with the Rams, recognized me um, when we were talking to him yesterday and we had a short conversation afterwards. So, you know, it, it, I think one of the things about him is that he can play and he ha he's one of those types of linebackers that loves contact. He's not afraid to get in there and hit the hole with authority. And that's what you need from somebody who is a linebacker. So, you know, he's not necessarily the biggest guy, but I think that's where these, this linebacker position is going in more of the new age of the NFL as teams are spreading things out further. But you have to still be able to hit. You have to still be able to try to stop the run. I think that's something that he can do. And as of right now, the Raiders uh, gave up, let's see, I believe it was a total so far on the season at 337 yards. I'm looking right now at NFL.com stats. So they're kind of in the middle of the road where it comes to uh, being able to defend the run. It is still early. Again, we're only through week three. And that's what brings me to my next talking point here is where Derek Carr has said that he's not overreacting. This is something you wrote yesterday, Miles, about the Raiders being one and two and the last two two losses specifically that in, he's not getting down on things. Um, the sky is not falling. So uh, what kind of sense are you getting right now, Miles, from Derek Carr and, uh, and maybe even the coaching staff around him uh, as far as the sense of urgency or being concerned about the record right now being at one and two? 
Well, I think that there definitely is a sense of urgency. There's always a sense of urgency whenever you lose a couple of games in a row. And that just sort of is what it is. But at the same time, I think there's a difference between the sense of urgency and not panicking. Uh, and from the sense you get from Derek Carr is that, and really John Gruden as well yesterday, they both kind of talked about this and they were asked about it. So that's one thing, but they were talking about how there had to be a shift in the offense when Antonio Brown was released. And it was funny because John Gruden specifically did not mention Antonio Brown's name. So that's kind of funny, but at the, and I don't know that Derek Carr did either, uh, but I'm not posi- as positive on that as I am on the fact that John Gruden didn't mention his name. Miles, I, but, I think I think watching it, I think, yeah, I think he did the same thing. I think he said, we had a guy here that we expected to be a big part of the offense. So, something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. <laughs> he sh- he yes. shall not be named. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's big. Yeah, they're treating him like Lord Voldemort right now, right? And <laughs> uh, I mean, there's probably a reason for that. But at the same time, so when you have that shift happen, you go from two guys being your top two to one guy is your really good wide receiver. And you have a, a tight end who is very much emerging. You can move him all around. He can block. He can catch. And that's great. But you don't really have anybody else at that wide receiver position that you can say, all right, this is our number two wide receiver. We know that. And so you know they, they call him the flanker position, the Z position in that offense. They don't have that guy settled right now. And you had a guy in Ryan Grant who started the season there at that spot and now he's gone. And so you have JJ Nelson who started last week. Uh, He was the guy who was getting reps in practice. He got hurt toward the end of the preseason. So that's why he wasn't necessarily as much of a part of things in the first two weeks. Now you see him catch a flea flicker for 29 yards. That's well and good, but can he be more consistent? You got somebody like Trevor Davis that you've traded for Uh, Can he actually learn enough of the offense that he can be a part of it? And oh, by the way, there's Keelan Doss here, who John Gruden likes to say, that's your storyline media. But why did you bring him back from Jacksonville and give him this guaranteed money, give him a big signing bonus, if all he's going to do is play six snaps in two weeks? I, I understand that he's backing up positions, but like at the same time, why did you do that if that's what you're going to do? He did it for us, Miles. I guess so. He just wanted us to have a storyline. Yeah, it's our storyline. So he did it. He did it for us. Now, the, the 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 thing I'm concerned about, I guess, with Carr, and I think it's all related because you talk about the fact that hey, there's not another go-to guy at wide receiver. Tyrell Williams has typically been a deep threat guy, but now he's got to take on a whole uh, added role as the main go-to guy uh, for the most part in this offense. And then you've got Darren Waller as. I would say the number two option, he's really been the number one option at tight end. So that's going to affect, you know, how much you throw downfield when you've got uh, the guy that you're looking to the most being kind of more of an underneath guy for the most part. But, you know, Derek Carr's uh, average depth of target is under seven yards. It's one of the lowest in the entire league. And this is a team that's been behind uh, for almost the entire game two weeks in a row. So despite having to come from behind, despite you know facing big deficits, he's still not throwing the ball downfield. And I think that is concerning because – yeah, it's it's a it's a product of the receiving core. It's also a product of the offensive line not quite being as good uh, the last two weeks as it was in the first week. But you've got to take chances. You've got to throw the ball downfield, and they're just not doing it. And and it was very much of a concern to me. It might have just jumped out to me more than anyone else, and I might be too caught up on this. But Derek Carr cited the fact in the post game press conference the other day that he only had seven incompletions. And that is troubling. Like, he knew it. He pointed it out. He wanted everybody else to know it. And 
it's almost to me like he's he's trying to make sure that he's accurate. He's trying to make sure that you know he's connecting with passes, and he's not taking those chances because when we saw him have his most success in the in the year that he was potentially an MVP, he was pushing the ball downfield. Uh, he was taking some chances, and then you saw kind of a, a shift in his game. And I think you haven't really seen him adjust back to being able to go downfield. And I, and I don't know if it's if he doesn't want to stay in the pocket and he doesn't want to take the shots, uh, if he doesn't want to you know risk his quarterback rating, or I don't know what it is. If he doesn't want to face the ire of Gruden if he throws an interception, I'm not sure what. But the fact that he's not pushing the ball downfield and he's not taking chances is a concern to me. And there, there certainly has been game script that is favorable to going downfield, and he just hasn't done it. Well, two things about that that I would say. I think the first is that, you know, he's citing the fact that he had seven incompletions. These guys, a lot of times, they look at their stats just before they go onto the stage. And, like, the PR people prep them with that and they tell them that. So, I mean, like, yes, obviously he did want people to know that. But, like, I and maybe I'm being a bit of a shill for Derek Carr. And who knew that I was going to be doing that? But <laughs> I think that, like... I don't, I don't know that that's as much of a thing as it is like, I just happen to have seen this and now I'm telling you because I know it. I, I don't know. I, that to me is not as much of a concern as it is. It's just something that happens. But the other thing about pushing the ball downfield, so he was talking about this on Wednesday um, during his press conference. And what he was saying was that sometimes, yes, there are shots that are scripted down the field, but when you're behind and you're sort of chasing, defenses have a tendency to take those deep shots away. And so what he was saying is that, yeah, you could throw a 50-50 ball into double coverage, but that probably is not the best football play because then at a certain point, you're just going to get intercepted. And what his point, I think he basically said something to the effect of, well, if I do that, then we all know how that goes. And I've been in this league long enough. And I've been, unfortunately, in those situations so many times where you're basically saying that he's behind and that he has to, you know, get back into the game, et cetera, et cetera that he knows how those things can turn out. And I think what he was saying is that I don't want to just throw interceptions on jump balls. So I, I think that they're, I, I agree with you, Adam, first of all, in that they need to take more shots down the field probably. But I think in the first game where we saw that was when they were keeping things under control offensively, right? They were converting third downs. They were sustaining drives. And so you have an opportunity to take those shot plays when you get things like second and short, sometimes third and short. Those are those are good times to take those shot plays. Um, and if you aren't having that kind of success and if you're not sustaining drives and you're not getting to the area where they like to call the high strike area sometimes, like you're not going to be able to take those shots if you're not consistent enough offensively. And right now, I feel like this season is already reminiscent of last season. The Raiders are virtually almost in the same place what they were last season at this point, except for last season, they were 0-3 as they headed. Uh, they had Cleveland ahead and they won that game in OT and quite like a back and forth type thriller. So, I, I mean, when you look at last season and the 4-12 and record that the Raiders had and the way that they've played in the last couple games, because I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they've only scored, what, 24 points in the last two games. So I would think that there would be some kind of 
change <laughs> with the game plan coming into this one, something that we haven't seen yet that maybe that they're planning on rolling out against the Colts. And, you know, the Colts, by the way, a lot of people thought they were going to be a much different team when Andrew Luck got hurt and Jacoby Brissett was coming in. There was kind of like a big alarm going off over there. Like, are the Colts still going to be a competitive team? And so far, Jacoby Brissett's proven that he can still lead this team, that they are going to be a very uh, competitive team down the line in their division. So, uh, when they we, are they are a very different team. So if, yeah. if people thought they would be a different team, they're right. They are. Uh, they're just not a terrible team. Uh, they're a pretty good team, and I think a team that uh, has a chance to potentially be a playoff team because they are different. We just talked about you know Carr and his depth of target. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is behind him. I think he's last in the league uh, at around five and a half yards per target because he's throwing a lot of underneath balls. They're running the ball a lot and relying on a defense, which is not really something that they've done in the Andrew Luck era. They're just a very different team but I think still a very good team. Yeah, and their offensive line has helped them out a lot. And a guy like Marlon Mack that's able to pound the rock consistently. And with the ailing linebacker situation that we talked about earlier, that kind of brings up some concern when you think about how efficient the Colts are at running the football and how much these linebackers are going to be put to the test uh, with somebody like Mack who comes right up the middle. And they have great tight ends as well over there. So, um, Adam, when you look at this team right now, the Colts, and what they're able to do, even if T.Y. Hilton, because he hasn't really, it seems like he might not be playing. He was injured last week. Um, What kind of dynamics do they present for this Raiders team and specifically for the defense? Well, it's going to be another challenge going into a hostile environment, which we saw the Raiders not do a very good job of dealing with last week. Uh, I think there was communication issues on offense, and you know, they're going in. It's not quite as loud, but it's another intimidating, imposing environment that they're going into. And you know, we'll see exactly who's playing and who's not. Uh, you mentioned T. Y. Hilton questionable. I know you know Darius Leonard is in uh, protocol. There, there's issues going on with that team. There's a lot of guys that are questionable to uh, you know maybe even doubtful for this game for the Colts. But it's still of a really really good team with a lot of talent that can do different things than we've seen them do in the past. And uh, Frank Reich is another genius. Like I rave about Sean McVay, as Miles knows. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost on the same level with Frank Reich. That guy is unbelievable as a coach. He's very uh, forward-thinking and innovative, and he does a lot of things that uh, I've been very impressed by. So uh, you're going into a road environment against a very well-coached team uh, that you know is dealing with some injuries, but certainly is very intimidating and imposing uh, to go up against. So it's, it's another really huge challenge for the Raiders. As promised earlier in the show, we have our sports betting columnist Todd Dewey in the house, and he is going to break down the Raiders visiting Indianapolis. Right now, Todd, it's looking like the Raiders are getting six and a half. What is the action on this game? Yeah, six and a half at a few places around town, Heidi, MGM, South Point, and Caesars. It's a consensus line of seven. The Colts, seven-point favorites over the Raiders at home, and a couple odds makers I talked to were actually a little surprised that betters took plus seven at minus 110, and at the Westgate, it moved to the Colts minus seven even, as you mentioned, six and a half at a few places. Oakland looked terrible against the Vikings. They're 2-13-1 against the spread in their last 16 as road underdogs. And, of course, they're in this brutal stretch of five straight games away from home, second straight on the road before going to London to take on the Bears. The Colts have been playing well without Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, 
playing well at quarterback, and they have a solid team around him with the running game, defense, O-line, and they're on a 7-4-1 and one cover streak. So the bookmakers expect the public to be on the Colts in this one, teasing them, money line, and straight-up bets. So we'll see if the Raiders could turn it around here, but um, the public's going to be on the Colts in that one. All right. Well, Todd, give us some other numbers here on the week because uh, I know a lot of people kind of like uh, the Redskins uh, and the Giants game. That one, I think the Giants are like uh, getting three. So where, where are the sharps at on some of these games coming up for the week? Yeah, well, in that game, there's no sharp action, but the Giants-Washington's interesting game because Saquon Barkley is obviously out for four to eight weeks, and he's only worth as a running back. They're not worth as much as quarterbacks to the line. He's only worth a half point to one point to the line, but odds makers were really impressed with Daniel Jones replacing Eli Manning. They think he's worth way more to the spread than Saquon Barkley. So whatever they lose with Barkley, they're going to make up that and more with Daniel Jones, a big upgrade over Eli Manning. I know the Westgate adjusted the Giants' numbers in their games of the year by three or four points and a respected better bet on the Giants on three different games after the adjustment. So the Giants, just by three at home, they have a bad defense, but the Redskins are 0-3, and they're one of the worst teams in the league on that one. Could this be the week the Dolphins finally cover? They got smoked their first three weeks, 0-3 against the spread. They're on an 0-6 spread slide overall. The Sharps think they'll at least cover this week. Sharp betters took Miami plus 16.5 against the Chargers. That number is down to 15.5. And the odds maker I spoke with said the public has zero interest in the Chargers. They don't trust the Chargers like they do the Patriots and Cowboys who covered the spread the last two weeks against Miami. Though the trends do favor the Chargers. Since they moved out of San Diego, they're 11-3-2 against the spread away from L.A. The biggest bet game of the week is going to be on Sunday night football. Cowboys at the Saints. The public is going to be all over the Cowboys in that one. They love playing the small road favorites. Cowboys open as three-point favorites at the Saints. Now it's down to two and a half. Cowboys are 3-0, and but who do they really play? They played the Giants with Eli Manning, played the Redskins, who are terrible, and they played the Dolphins. So we're going to really see um, if the Cowboys are for real here. The Saints obviously lost Drew Brees, but they have a solid team all around. They won at Seattle without Brees. Teddy Bridgewater, solid backup, two touchdown passes. Full week of practice now. They get Taysom Hill there, another you know quarterback that they use as a runner a lot. And always... Uh, Always a good bet is a primetime home dog, and they're in the Dome at home on Sunday night. So maybe look to, if you like the dog there in the Saints, wait to see if you can get a three. There's only one three out there at the MGM and uh, two and a half across the board there. The Vikings have uh, gotten a lot of support as two-point dogs at the Chicago Bears. The Bears open as three-and-a-half-point favorites. It's down to two. The Bears have been unimpressive this year. They only scored 19 points against the Packers and the Broncos, and then uh, they were the recipients of a lot of turnovers at the Redskins, who basically handed them that game. So they've, they, they play good against the bad teams, but we're going to see against a good team in the Vikings if they could get it done. But the Vikings, again, some support there. And also the sharp betters are on Tampa Bay over the Rams at CG Technology. Rams 3-0, but they're, they don't have the same explosive offense as they did last year. And then if you're looking for a teaser bet of the week, you might want to go with the Patriots, tease them down from seven-point favorites at Buffalo. They're 28-1 and one straight up in their last 29 games 
at against the Bills with Tom Brady at quarterback. They had 28 and 3 overall straight up last 31, but Brady was not involved in two of those losses. All right, Todd, thank you so much for all of that information. And he will be here every week to give you some of the best on the sports betting lines and the numbers. You can give him a follow at TDewey33, as in the legendary Larry Bird 33. Is that right, Todd? That is correct. All right. So, Todd Dewey, uh, thank you again for coming in. And uh, we're going to get back here to Vegas Nation shortly. Thanks for having me. This episode of Vegas Nation will be right back. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. All right, again, that was Todd Dewey. You can find him and all of his articles on ReviewJournal.com. Anything you want to know in the betting world of the NFL, Todd Dewey is the guy at the RJ with all of that information. All right, Miles, so we've heard Adam's perspective. We've heard Todd Dewey and the betting numbers, but... For your end here, what do you think the keys to the game are for the Raiders if they want to pull off a win as they head into Indianapolis? Don't let Indianapolis just sustain drives. They did a really good job last week against the Atlanta Falcons of sustaining drives and getting down the field and making sure that the the Falcons didn't have time to get the ball back and then go down the field as well. If you look at what the Colts did in the first half, right? They had a drive where they converted five third downs. That is a ton. And it's something actually that John Gruden has harped upon, field position. The Raiders have to get better field position in order to score more points. So those two things go hand in hand. Can you get off the field on third down? Can you force a three and out? Can you say, all right, maybe they get one first down, but they're not gonna get any more than that before they get the before the Raiders, excuse me, can get the ball back. That is the kind of thing that you have to be able to do in order to beat this Colts team. Um, And I think if the Raiders are able to get good field position, sustain some drives, get a takeaway or two, and then you can go down the field and put the ball in the box, then yes, they're going to be able to get a win. But if, if they don't and you let the Colts go down the field, you let them run the ball at will, and that's going to be a concern. I mean, Heidi, we've talked about it throughout this entire episode, right? You have a bunch of guys who are injured in that linebacking core. So if they're not stopping the run, this thing is over, just like it was last week against the Vikings. But if they do, if they can get the, the, the Colts off the field, then the Raiders are going to have a chance to win. I think the first of all, the train clearly disagrees with your points. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, the train didn't. The train outside my window did not like the points. I it's like no, push the ball downfield. Car needs to throw it downfield more. It was screaming at you. Uh, I think the biggest key for this weekend is, I think, to celebrate Miles' birthday. I think that's the first and foremost. Oh yeah. You know the, the thing that the Raiders really need to do, and I think that they're going to try to do that to the best of their ability. Uh, so that will be impressive. Uh, but what? Yeah, I think that's going to happen. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. I was just trying to get the birthday shout out to you. Yeah, happy birthday for Saturday. Because I'll Thank be flying, you. but I'm going to come in there. We're all going to have to meet up and do something. 
That sounds like the worst birthday ever for my, like, you don't Woo! have to. Indianapolis. <laughs> no, I mean, meeting up with us, that would oh, be like yeah. the, the worst. Miles will be off on his own uh, somewhere. <laughs> Sportsbook in downtown Indy, by the way, I'm very excited about that as well. Uh, that'll be fun for uh, college football to check out how people gamble outside of Nevada. I want to go uh, for observational purposes only uh, to go check that out. Uh, but as far as, the, as far as the game goes, I think the biggest key to me is to not play from behind. And it's it's a very simple thing. Uh, to say it's harder to do, but they, you know, they got a lead in the, in, you know, against the Chiefs a little bit, but the Chiefs like rallied back and they could not come back at all from that. Uh, last week against the Vikings, they just could not uh, get up off the ground at all when they took that original uh, punt early in the game. Uh, th- they're not going to be able to win if they try to come from behind here. They've got to try to get a lead early. And, you know, we, they talked so much about last week getting that stop uh, right off the bat. And, you know, it would have been a three and out. Instead, they commit a defensive penalty and keep that drive going. The Vikings score. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, it's 21 nothing, and they can do nothing. But they've got to try to find a way uh, to get a stop early, to get on the board, to play from ahead. And I think that would work out a lot better for them. Because as Miles said, like, that's, that's where we saw them in week one kind of thrive. Yes, the competition was worse. But also, they were able to settle in more, to run more of their offense, to run a lot more, you know, play actions, and then take shots off of it downfield uh, when the other team, you know, didn't know that a, a pass was coming for sure. Uh, that's when it works out better for them, and they're, they're going to need to try to find a way to play from ahead and get the crowd out of it a little bit. Yeah, and pressure the quarterback. There's no pressure on the quarterback last week. Well, Let's and, see and, some pressure. And it's going to be tough against the Colts because, as we said, they really yeah. don't take a whole lot of shots down the field. Uh, the offensive line is really good. Brissett is is good at dealing with it and just getting rid of the ball. Uh, so the Colts really haven't had to take a whole lot of shots down the field, and we've seen that, uh, as we said, in Brissett not really pushing the ball. But uh, it's really hard to generate much of a pass rush against that team. But, yeah, try to f- figure out a way to do that as well. That would help. All right, Adam. Who are you picking to win this one, and what's the final score? 27 to 13 Colts. Oh, man. That sounds like right on the money. <laughs> I, I can't even disagree. I, I think down to the exact score sounds right to me. Miles, what do you got? I got 23-20 Raiders. Wow. Theo. I think that this is a game that they will. I think that they're, I, I just, I don't, and maybe this is me just, I don't know, being an idiot, but I don't think, A, Miami is as bad as they've shown Throughout the first three weeks of the season, even though they probably are. Oh, and I don't no. think that the Raiders are as bad as day. they've been. I don't think the Raiders are as bad as they've been the last two weeks offensively. I think that I just I I think that they're gonna be able to do something. I think this is a game that they know they have to win, and I think that they will win. And I think because they're a better team than they were last year. And they went toe-to-toe with this Colts team at home, granted, but it last year and last season. I wasn't there, I didn't witness it, but I've watched a little bit of it this week. And I just I don't know. I think and I could be wrong, but I just I feel like this is a game that they can win and that they will win. You know, more importantly, Somehow. what have you seen? What have you seen out of the Dolphins that you've been impressed by? No, I just it, nothing. It, I just think that <laughs> <laughs> legitimately nothing has impressed me per se. I just think that sometimes teams aren't as good as they show or as bad as they show in the first quarter of the season. So you know, you start to figure things out, right? The Dolphins are going to win a game this year. I thought Kenyon Drake actually looked good for seventy-two yards until he fumbled the football, but. I mean, it was maybe kind of something promising because it was more than he had in any kind of game. It's a lot of garbage yards. Yeah, uh, yeah. As a, yeah. As a well, big Ken right. and Drake fan, I could say it was a lot of garbage <laughs> yards. That's like Derek Carr we'll last week, right? And Darren Waller. They, I mean, Darren Waller is second in receptions now in the league because he got so many garbage time yards 
from Derek Carr and receptions from Derek Carr. I mean, that last, it, I think that you have to think about things sometimes in terms of how they were before the last drive and garbage time touchdowns. So if you look at the Raiders offense last week, they averaged something like four and a half yards per play before the final drive. And that final drive, when Minnesota was just like, do whatever you want to do because we won this game already. This is like, eh, whatever. Right. And so at that point, the Raiders get all these more yards and then they end up with over 300 yards. Derek Carr ends up with the passer rating over 100. It just, yeah, yeah. Stats, stats lie. Stats lie, man. <laughs> well, maybe Tape what doesn't. won't be lying is the final score from what we heard from Miles Simmons. And you can find him on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons if you want to say, hey, Miles, good looking out when the game is all said and done on Sunday. But we will be back with another recap from that game from Indianapolis on Sunday night. So you'll want to check back here for that podcast. And every Friday, there will be a new Vegas Nation preview dropping. And we are brought to you again by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. And to catch everything silver and black, catch up with us on the Vegas Nation app, VegasNation.com. And the podcast can also be found on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast or anywhere else you find your show so find us all on twitter at miles a simmons adam is at adam hill lvrj i am at heidi fang for both of the guys thank you so much for listening <laughs>